This is going to be great, Charlie. I love helping kids. I love kids, Charlie. I love kids. Uh, Pip, I, I would really not be uh, screaming that at the top of your lungs. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes of dog barking. A great week for me. How's it going for you? Hey, man. <laughs> First of all, congratulations on getting the job at the dick sucking factory. I knew I put in a good word for you. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> it's you know it was really there was a lot of you know I was going around meeting new folks a lot of firm handshakes yeah the yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of guys with necks that look like soup cans like <laughs> <laughs> Jesus just uh, you know I'm I'm feeling it's you know it's one thing to go from a big fish in a little pond you know and then yeah. you go to that little pond and you're like maybe I. I'm the Gosh, maybe I don't know anything about sucking knobs. No, no. <laughs> You're really surprised at how little you actually know. Uh, no, about sucking dick until <laughs> yeah. you get to your, the big leagues yep. at you the got, Costco dick sucking you got, <laughs> you got called up. Uh, for those co- of you, for, welcome but, to Costco. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Costco. Pull your pants down. Um, you ever seen one of these before? Anyway... Uh, <laughs> For those of you who, uh, uh, by the way, it's 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking Welcome to the program. Oh, wow. My name is Jason. This is Brian. If you listened to last week's episode and you heard the minor bit of the Dick Sucking Factory riff at the end, let, just I want to put this to rest, okay? There was, I want to say, 30 minutes of Dick Sucking Factory riffs in the <laughs> middle of that episode. I don't remember. Here's the sad part. I don't remember any of them. I don't. I didn't either until I started listening back to him. Like Jesus Christ, how long does this go on? <laughs> Got folks. We love a bit. We do. But fuck. I'm. I'm like. I'm. You know. I'm doing fucking Sophie's Choice over here. I'm like. Do I keep the bit? It's too goddamn long. How do I? It's like that Town episode. That's just. Nick Mullen going on for 20, 30 minutes about a fictional Crispin Wah biopic where, <laughs> where he's at the Bowflex store and everything. Oh I don't remember any of the dick sucking. Is this the, is this the episode with our great guest Danny on it? No, actually, that was the episode beforehand where we were doing the misanthropic bitch. So, okay. the, yeah, as far as I'm aware, based on the editing I've done so far, is that the Danny episode is mostly intact. We're going to we're going to have maybe a few stories here or there to kind of trim down. But other than that, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, I do the bulk of the editing of the, of the program. Driving this poor man mad. I, I'm up all night. Uh, the up, night all night, before. up all night doing up all night doing bumps of ketamine <laughs> no and making uh, sure it, how are we looking at 500 hertz yeah That's, right where's yeah. the q at on yeah. this eq I, I'm, I'm sitting there just eyeballing every time i go oh uh, for five minutes so i have to sit there and cut uh, that out what yeah sure <laughs> uh sure <laughs> I just like I like it's sad because like I take the like fucking with that I do with you yeah. and I put on like people in my real life. Oh boy! Because like I was like working with uh, over the weekend mm. and the guy I was working with, I was just like looking at him. I was like, man, I just, just can't stop trapping. And he's just like <laughs> looking. His eyes just get big. The fuck are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. I just love it, man. I can't. You, you can't. I do. I, I love it, man. You know, they see me. They see me up at the Schnooks buying. You know. 10 boxes of bacon powder at the same time. They know what's up. I'm they cooking. Know. 
They call me they call me Bri Bri the chef. And he's just <laughs> looking at me like the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, do you guys hate this job? I mean, <laughs> it's just like I'm just doing I'm whatever in the I can. Kitchen whipping pastries, you know? Like to, <laughs> I'm just to... like I can just God. Well, I put my two weeks in. Yeah, uh, in my current job, I got a new job, which I'll probably lose because of this podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm just like thinking about like, am I gonna have to start putting out a uh, a work safe edition of the show? <sighs> no, just... but um, I'm just like, he just gave me this great idea, like things I could do, like my last two weeks of this job, just show up with like a fucking pastry kitchen cream thing just do whippets oh god just do whippets on the forklift nah i couldn't do it i could doing whippets on a forklift god. jesus christ have you ever operated a forklift Jason? i have not operated a forklift i am not forklift certified i, I got uh, I, I'm, I'm you fucking peasant uh yeah. <laughs> some days i'll spend probably majority of my shift on the forklift yeah and then when i'm like leaving I feel like I'm still on the forklift. You got that like sea legs. Yeah. It's like sea legs. But the thing is like most forklifts are the rear set of wheels. Yeah. Uh, it's either like a car or it's like a center set of two wheels in the back. So you're, you're kind of like reverse mm-hmm. basically if I'm getting that. And there's been times where I've left work and was like, wait, nope, nope. I can't. I gotta go. I gotta rotate this direction <laughs> if I want to go this way while I'm backing oh, up. Trying to trying to and, drive a car after driving a forklift. I got it. Okay. So yeah. You're just yeah. Kinda like have to rewire your brain. Yeah. It's really fucked up. Like you know, uh, on a forklift. Imagine having that phantom sensation while leaving your job. Like yeah, oh Jesus. shit, I took my foot off the gas. Uh, what's my ass going to do now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like. Uh, it's like. Is this what it's like uh, having PTSD? Kinda. I mean, that's what I imagine anyway. Speaking of PTSD, post Twitter symptom of the dick bags. I don't know. There's a there's a there's a let that thing there. let that sink in. So for those of you who don't understand what we're referencing, because we are basically the pre-taped call-in show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the internet may not exist anymore in the future when this is released. But... At least as far as we know it, yeah. It, it, Twitter was purchased by Elon Elongated Mollusk. Um, I refuse to say his name. It's the dumbest fucking name in the history of names. I refuse to say it properly. I'm never going to say it right. <laughs> yeah. So he bought Twitter, and rest in peace, Twitter. Uh, just. I keep tweeting at Elon Musk and then various Ghislaine Maxwell related things. And so eventually I'm just hoping for that band to come, you know, kind of like sure. <laughs> sure. What's wild, what's wild is um, a former Twitter VP, uh, Jason Goldman, who's a yep. St. Louis born boy. Him and Jack Dorsey. Him and Jack Dorsey. Yeah, that's actually how I am. Jason Goldman is how I'm like only a couple degrees removed from Jack Dorsey and wow. Barack Obama. Because right. Jason Goldman was my brother's like high school best friend, Dang. and they like worked together at Blogger, and it's a whole story. But it's also weird to be like a guy who I fell asleep on his couch one time watching Triplets of Belleville when I was eighteen <laughs> uh, is like this big important guy with like a million followers on Twitter. Life is funny like that, and yeah. uh, you know I work in a warehouse. Right. <laughs> But he's like saying like he hasn't had anything to do with Twitter, I think, in probably the better part of 10 years. And he's like, yeah, yeah. back up your tweets and uh, just expect this not to last. Like, yeah, expect, if he's like, the I, one saying that, that's dark fucking times. Yeah, man. like yeah. if he's just like, yeah, Twitter's kind of fucking done. Yeah, it's it's fucking wild. That guy's just like, yeah, it's done. Like on his Twitter account, just being right. like, no, nah, it's 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 probably done. It's probably, well, you know, over. Jack's been MIA for years. I mean, the people who founded it pr- pretty much gave it up after a certain point. Yeah. I've breathed the same air as Jack Dorsey. I saw I saw him at Canfield oh, wow. uh, on the 
fifth anniversary of Mike Brown's death. And it was like the okay, so the Wait, fight, he came out to Canfield Apartments? For like all of thirty seconds. Still. But it was after everyone left and it was me and a couple other uh journalists talking and he shows up and like the funny thing, I gotta tell you something, if you're like a rich and famous person, what, first of all, why are you listening to this podcast too? If you wanna not stick out in St. Louis, don't bring an Arraj. Yeah. Cause every single time I have known someone that's famous and they realize that I know who they are and they give me a dirty look, it's because they've got like five motherfuckers that look like LA hype beasts <laughs> that like look like they can fucking deadlift like 600 pounds. Right. Like Matt and Kim, I, I, I walked past them one time in the Central West End and would not have noticed it was Matt mm-hmm. and Kim walking towards me on Euclid if they didn't have like six motherfuckers that looked like dudes from LA that were security guards right. and Jack Dorsey shows up with an entourage of like 12 motherfuckers and like you know like look like Kanye West models because who knows what Jack Dorsey looks like unless you're extremely online like you were me right like, yeah I was like knows. oh it's Jack Dorsey and like I got like a foe of him and there's a trash bag in the background and that's it <laughs> Perfect. And, but it's just like oh but it's just like a weird thing and he was like uh in town and um a buddy of mine who's spot, I'm not going to blow up. And he's like, yeah, I'm sitting next to this guy. And this kind of, he's just like telling me, like, I'm kind of sitting next to this guy. And I don't know. I'm not really feeling it. But then, like, I see him use his phone and he's got his Twitter page up. And his Twitter page don't look like anyone else's. Like, no. he's got, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's probably got the full, like, panel access to oh, people. Yeah, he's got the special buttons. like The special buttons that deactivates people's accounts. And, you know. <laughs> the auto ban. He's got the auto ban. He's got the. He's got the mod buttons, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> dear Jack. Dear, yeah. That's what we're about. I want to my be, five bucks back. That's right. That's what we're about to be saying. Because anybody who invested in Twitter Blue is about to be in a root for a rude fucking God, awakening yeah. these past couple of days. But I bring Twitter up uh, not just because elongated mollusk uh, has just purchased it and it may be dead by the time this episode airs, but also because it, there's a collection of things that kind of happened on there that made its way into a really great substack that I really recommend you all follow. It's a gentleman by the name of Ryan Broderick. He goes by Garbage Day. Uh-huh. I'm... Not the same Garbage Day from Something Awful. It's actually a different guy. This is confusing because I, I, I think I have I've crossed paths with both those people at different yeah. points in my life. So yeah, Ryan Broderick does a great newsletter. It's called Garbage Day. Uh, it is garbageday.email. If you want to subscribe to that, it is free. Uh, this most recent one... I wanted to bring up because it really condenses three different things that happened on Twitter that drove me personally completely fucking insane. Okay. To quote Ryan, one of the most interesting and infuriating contradictions of Twitter is that most conversations on the site require a decent amount of nuance and context to understand. But the site is constructed in such a way that it makes any real nuance or context impossible. Even if you lay out your thoughts clearly in a thread, Threads are still made of individual tweets, which can easily be pulled out of context. And if you do that, you're rewarded quite a bit by other users on the site. That's because after years of piss-poor moderation, most power users have nestled themselves into smaller communities for protection and support. Like gangs of hideous mutants crawling around a post-apocalyptic wasteland, hunting for resources, and fighting off roving battalions led by this scorched new world's various warlords, we all have our corner of Twitter and attack other groups to prove our commitment to the to the tribe. So the long and short of it is that there were three things that happened. Now, we talked about on the previous episode with, with Danny, we talked about Jorts the Cat doing enableism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And basically, the, this left this cat, um, the the cat, a novelty Twitter account, which a is a guy Twitter posting account. as his cat, uh, the cat that lives at his job or some weird shit. Yeah. yeah. And so, so George the cat uh, told uh, at Queen Vige that she should buy her own groceries instead of having them delivered, and then saying, and then doubled down, uh, saying that gig workers who do grocery delivery shouldn't be harassed. Uh, because that was the big thing about Queen of Egypt, that supposedly this person got there. Uh, th- this person that was working, I'm, I'm assuming Instacart, because that's Insta- the big one. Or shipped or whatever, right. yeah. I'm assuming Instacart, because when I think of groceries, that's the one that, that comes to mind. Uh, Twitter users who identify as disabled began demanding the Jorts the Cat account apologize for being ableist. We talked about that already. But then, October 21st, a Twitter user... Little Plant Mommy tweeted about how much she loves spending time in her back garden with her husband. A crunchy granola wellness account is saying, sure. oh, you know, this great thing that we do. And, you know, every morning we have coffee and it's my favorite part of the day. Oh, she's ableist, too. So it's just it's, yeah, it's like it's um, I saw that one. I mean, I saw the George the Cat thing, but I saw the thing about the garden. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, well, no one, not all of us get to enjoy a company of our partner like that. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. You seem to be coming from a lot of privilege and, you know. F- fair on. Fair. Fair spot on. Yeah. I can't disagree 100% on those statements, but it's also kind of just, um, can't you just like be happy a little bit for someone else's situation, even yeah. if you recognize that there are some things there that you can kind of read between the lines that are like right. not great like not everything has to be a fucking argument that you can you know fucking success win or brute force your way through <laughs> well, not uh, everything has to be a pile of misery either yeah I and, I, a, and yeah. this is coming from a guy that really misses the internet when it was a much meaner and harsher place because i thought it was also a lot funnier and smarter right. but this is like some troglodyte shit right so what if some crunchy... Per- is she a white woman with dreads? Pretty if she's much, a white woman yeah. with dreads, I mean, it's fucking open season. <laughs> but if she's just like some chick that has like a sunflower tattoo like on her hip. Yeah. Or like on her, you know, her calf or something. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I mean, sure, whatever. Particularly Twitter, I think its downfall is that it became less of a place where people were interesting and more of a place where people just want to fucking collect cookies for being shitty to each other. Yeah, it was like it was almost built for arguments, and I think that's something that that uh, another Substack uh, author, Ed Zitron, put in a tweet recently. It was like, yeah, this it's kind of custom made, like to get into fights with people. Yeah, and sure, but I, I don't know. I think what I liked about Twitter is it was weird and subversive right. and interesting and creative, and now it just feels like the paraphrase of dog boner tweet from back in the day it feels like we're all trying to jam the same turd into the same toilet you know uh that's the thing about db is he's not wrong either that's no i mean and that tweet's probably like fucking 12 years old 10 12 years old at this time yeah he probably deleted it because he does that a lot so there's no record of it but yeah i I vaguely recall that i think it, it was like how everyone uh would riff when a celebrity would die. Yes. And yes. I think the one that I always love was that R.I.P., you know, R.I.P. 
Tom Clancy, you were di you died wearing a bra. That was my favorite one. People <laughs> yeah. say claiming someone died like yeah. a, you died wearing women's underwear. You know, <laughs> I think I I joined in on a couple of those because they're really well. Who doesn't want to dance on the grave of Coke brother? You know, or, like... or uh, Alito. You know, I, I yeah. said that he um I said that he died uh, trying to fish a turd out of the toilet in order to eat it and then drowned in it. You know, I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> It's been done, is what is what you're saying. It's hard to find something new under the sun. And um, before you go into your third point, I think the yeah. only demographic I see old Twitter existing in, and what I liked about old Twitter, is like trans people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. trans people are carrying. Oh yeah, the old spirit of Twitter, old weird Twitter, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like, just anything. Juniper. Juniper is the big one. Yeah. Boy, she's she's up there, bro. It, but uh, nine times out of ten, I'm like, uh, I see a tweet that's funny or interesting or a thread or artwork that's cool. And I check the profile. I'm like, oh, trans flag. Okay. Yep. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> sick. But it's like, that's the only thing or like, you know, so God bless the trans folks. Oh, for, for sure. For keeping the weird spirit of the internet alive. Indeed. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I mean, who who better, right? Cause, cause sure. That, that... Well, there was a joke, uh, not necessarily a joke, but someone made an observation of like, I wonder how many people that spent most of their formative years posting on the something awful forums, particularly FIAD, mm -hmm. that ended up being trans or or something other than like cishet. Right. And uh, I can probably think of like three or four people off the top of my head. Right. And I'm uh, sure and that's just a scratching the surface. I think the only one that's still like active on FIAD is, is uh, Luca B and she's in Mexico. So I don't even, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Luca B's trans? No, she's just in Mexico. Oh, oh she's just in Mexico. <laughs> Trans Mexican, you know. It's, it's, you know it, oh, it's a little different than being just, just Italian, a right? Very, very different. <laughs> you know that way. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Because that was it. That was a. Is that a callback? Is that our first callback? That is our first callback. Uh, <laughs> is he? You know, Italian. <laughs> you know, is is he? Is he? You know. Uh, has he got hairy knuckles? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, is he uh, telling you to stir the sauce? Ooh, sounds like ooh. he got one of those boys. Oh, what? So the third Twitter thing that, that, that came up was, it's actually kind of incidental to Twitter. It's almost like Twitter adjacent because it is a Twitter user, but it's about her content on another platform. It's about her content on TikTok. Yeah. So Taylor Blake who owns an emu named Emmanuel. None of this is important to the story, but I think it's funny. She had posted videos of her TikToks onto Twitter mm -hmm. about this, this emu. Well, the emu uh, now is sick, probably going to die of an avian flu. Yeah. There's some issues going on there from yeah. how I understand because, like, she's, like, coddling this poor dying animal that yeah. has some sort of avian flu that got dusted up with the recent inclement weather in mm -hmm. Florida that killed all the emus on the farm, except for a few. And Emmanuel is like the, you know, the star, I suppose. <laughs> well, he's the one that's always in the videos and she's Emmanuel. yelling at him. Yeah. yeah, yeah don't yeah, knock yeah. over the camera. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, but I, I saw some tweets and people were like, Oh, um, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> like that's how cross, <laughs> species disease becomes like a thing right my my uh, enabler here yeah. my co-host <laughs> um we're, we're, uh, we're uh smoking some beers yeah. <laughs> god 
chiefing on the beer. So, uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't shouldn't be uh, smooching up to the emus. Well, apparently, then they're digging up her racist tweets and then some other stuff, and then and then. But what's really funny and there's something that Ryan points out in the last week, Twitter users started attacking a different woman who owns an emu on TikTok because there are now multiple white lady emu TikTokers. They're racist or just... Just, they can't tell them apart. They can't tell all the emu-owning white ladies apart. <laughs> they, they do look the same. They all do look the same. I, uh, as someone who's dated, like, some crunchy vegan girls, <laughs> there is... There's a look. There's a vibe. There's a vibe. Uh, they they either smell like Nag Champa. Uh, <laughs> oh, I had a visceral memory the moment you said Nag Champa. It's just... Yeah, the the really nice ones smell like jasmine oil, but mm. the, those are hard to find. Few and far between, yes, sir. Yes, because jasmine oil is expensive. Trust fund babies is all. I'm I want one of them. I want. I want one of them. Listen there, son. I want one of them. Uh, I want one. Listen there, when the government starts throwing out them. Uh, <laughs> the government mandated the girlfriends. Government mandated girlfriends. Give me one of them. Let me tell you something, chief. I'm gonna throw you a couple dollars here. <laughs> Give me one of them vegan girls that smell like jasmine oil. I think that'd be nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. That could be nice for you, too, if you play ball. That's right. <laughs> some some vaguely Cajun guy. I, what, I really, what I sound like is some guy that's like a fourth generation TV repairman, like Old Town Florson. He's the guy who comes out and like fix your water heater for like half cost because he kind of knows how to do it. Uh, he just, he's just like, listen, uh... <laughs> I ain't going to charge you full price because I didn't have all the parts, but I made it work. <laughs> You're just like, if it, if it goes bad, can I call you? Nah. Yeah. Oh, I might take oh. a second. You know, I'm, all of a sudden they're like, I'm very busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm very busy, sir. Another Twitter-related uh, bit of drama. Oh, God. The New York Post. Known, oh, uh, known they for now? their... How shall we say rightward lean? That's the that's it's, the nicest um, way to put it. It is probably the most right rightward leaning tabloid in America, arguably. Yeah. yeah. Early today, that's the uh, the, the date of airing. That's uh, so early. <laughs> I'm just gonna what fuck what that. what that. what phase is the sun in? Uh, yeah, exactly. the, well, well, Jason, let's go stare at the sun and figure out what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, it's uh, it's cloudy now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had access to the New York Post Twitter account and started uh, posting headlines that were really nasty. Like, here's one. Governor Abbott, I will order Border Patrol to start slaughtering illegals. Obviously, that was not a actual article. Yeah, on the site there. <laughs> like, uh, that's one of those things. Like this is a little bit like Black Mirror-ish. Like, yeah. Well, it's a touch too close. Like, it's like, is it? It's Poe's Law. It's that. It's the thing. Of, like, is it satire though? It wasn't. It was a uh, disgruntled staffer who had apparently uh, just had still had the keys and was driving the bus there for a little while. And they were deleted, of course. I still have a couple of them saved because they're just fucking bizarre. Let me pull up a couple of these here. Jamie, uh, Jamie, pull up the the racist tweets. Uh, <laughs> no, not from my account. No, 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 <laughs> not that. Um, so let's see here. Uh, here's one. Divine, we must <laughs> Joe and Hunter Biden. Rufo, we must destroy and imprison union teachers. Uh, here's another one. 
Eric Adams is NYC's fried chicken eating monkey. And we must <laughs> AOC for America. <laughs> so that's I'm sorry. Like, none of those really got me until, until that, last that one. one. Yeah, because um, <clears throat> that was the first one I saw the, the big we must <laughs> all big, juicy, booty Latinas. <laughs> no one gets the hate boners out like AOC buddy you 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 put any anything out about her and it is open season for the horniest most disturbed guys on the planet yeah yeah it's uh i've been a fucking lifelong leftist you know pretty much since i was a teenager right which i guess technically isn't a lifelong leftist but as far as like once i realized what my political compass was it's always been pretty much left of liberal yeah and like AOC doesn't really do it for me. I'm glad that there are people like AOC out there, but like sure. that is one person you saw come in with some pretty high spirits and a lot of determination, and you just see the Democratic machine just fucking steal their soul. Yeah, they kind of chewed her up. I mean, it's only been a couple of years into, into her tenure, and you really... I mean, the same thing happens here in St. Louis to, to Shara Jones. Like, mm-hmm. sure, I guess she's better than her predecessor, Crewson. Yeah. But um, not by much, not by much. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know how much of that's the fault of Tashara Jones herself or just the fact that like AOC, she is jumping headfirst into a machine that has been purposely not just designed, but damaged and willfully damaged to operate a certain way that benefits certain people. And you just can't go in there and start fixing shit that ain't ever supposed to be fixed Yeah, because it is in its own fucking weird way, working as intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking, like, boy, how long is it till Cory Bush has that same moment? But I'm, I'm not seeing it so far. So, so far. far, I'm knocking, knock on wood, knocking on wood. But but you know, it's, it's the machine is is intended to grind you down. That's that's by design, like you yeah. said. So yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. Speaking of a machine intended to grind you down, perfect segue. Oh. 10 out of 10. No notes. Uh, no notes. This, this here is our crypto scam of the week. What we got, Chief? Oh, buddy. Courtesy of our friend at Fat Man Terra. <laughs> I love these crypt- the crypto usernames. The crypto Twitter people can sometimes have very funny... Oh, they're great. I love yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. At, at Fat Man Terra, Freeway halted all platform withdrawals. They also wiped the names of all team members... From their website, it looks like it's over. Another drum roll, please. $100 million rug pull. In spring of 2021, like when Meerkat rugged for like 30 or 40 mil, people are like, what the fuck? Right. But the bear market, um, I saw a crypto Twitter person make this observation earlier this week. I wish I could attribute it, but I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Sure. Made the statement that, um, you know, in the bull market, you'll see people do these rugs for what's considered now small potatoes because in the bear market people get fucking hungry they get desperate Mm -hmm. they are no longer because it's not fucking up only season anymore and i think that's when you're going to see like the really cataclysmic stuff however long we're going to be in this global recession if we're actually in it or is Mm -hmm. it actually going to happen in this in this moment I think things are only probably going to get worse before they get better in this game of crypto and it's fucking crazy. $100 million. $100 million. So 
The long and short of Freeway, for those of you who are not familiar, which I was not. It's like a OTC service, right? Essentially, yeah. They, they uh, Users would buy superchargers, which are crypto simulations that promise to pay out rewards of up to 43%. Obviously, they're promising protection from volatility, which no one can actually fucking guarantee because that's part of the thing about volatility is it's volatility yeah uh bancor got fucking oh with, yeah with chain link and a couple other things got fucking fucking put over the fucking coals for that one yes but continue no that's all right uh so this is courtesy of uh our our good friends web3 is going great.com of course uh, a great should, site I, for... we should, i'm uh, the fact that i don't have it booked mark right now yeah stupid. you should yeah if, if you're interested in at all in any of these crypto scams that we talk about on this show every week by all means, web3isgoinggreat.com. You can probably see some of our, 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 our episodes uh, coming ahead of time and, and maybe... Yes, because uh, it's a pre-taped, pre-taped call-in show yeah. syndrome. <laughs> it really is. It really was one of those things, much like Ohana, much like other things we talked about, it's too good to be true. And yeah. it was. You're, you're charging someone to access a service that is supposedly going to have a guaranteed X percent of return. Mm-hmm. Well... That's impossible. Yeah. That's impossible on the regular stock market, and it's going to be doubly impossible on the crypto market because one's more volatile than the other. Uh, <laughs> Just, to, 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 the fact that, the, that anyone is able to get anyone to buy in at that level, at the $100 million level, for God's sake. I mean, again, this is not one individual investor, but still enough people bought into the enough supercharger people thing. invest yeah. into this project or this idea and then it turns out there's some smoke and mirrors involved here, some bad actors. Mm-hmm. And earlier this year, I was noticing a similar thing with like the node scam that was yep. going on with like, well, alleged scams like strong and, uh, Oh no, strong was absolutely a scam. I, I, we're not even alleging anymore. That's, that's, yeah. that's pretty much been, I would like to really see the, the SEC fucking pin those guys to the wall because, um, they really because a lot of people don't put themselves they don't attach names and faces to their projects and those guys did and they fucked up pretty bad mm-hmm. even by fucking shady crypto standards so uh yeah that's fucking crazy fucking freeway 100 million dollars yeah is there a paper trail on where this money went my understanding is that there probably is. I haven't seen a lot of information about it. All I really know is is what Fat Man has has put out there. Basically, he's saying that like, look, you know, the CEO claimed X, you know, and oh, there was a vulnerability. Someone exploited us. Not even that, but like uh, the, the 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 CEO claimed that he was an expert. Fat Man in particular called him out on it, and then any mention of that expertise was then removed from the Freeway website. So that type of thing is like super fucking shady to begin with. Mm. You've already got something that's built on sand, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can, and then all this other stuff starts happening. Like they're Estonia. So they were registered in Estonia. So like, there's already just a bunch of, like, just right off the bat, there was some shady shit. Mm. Uh, they didn't have a clear monetization strategy. They changed the text on their site multiple times about how the monetization was going to happen. So like there were signs ahead of time. Yeah. But at the same time, it still happened even, even with all the warning signs. And that's what I'm, that's the part that I'm still like, how does this continue to happen? 
These things are in the news all the time. Yeah. Obviously, we're not the only ones talking about them. I know we've mentioned several times about other people who... The number of podcasts that are not centered around tech right. or anything, but they're like left-leaning, um, have just come out with like crypto episodes because it's like, it's just so weirdly captivating. And what gets me about crypto is you have what websites, projects like this, where it's like, oh, we are experts. Yeah. And this, this, and that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to name drop another system or another uh project here but there are like projects that are like somehow sustaining there is a community around them they uh they are not like the the admins or the people behind the project not necessarily docs but like it's going it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like anyone's getting fleeced it doesn't look like it's a slow rug it looks like someone is doing an economic experiment and trying their best to keep it going which is a little bit different than um i am going to launch elon musk dollar and uh and and i'm gonna rug it within the first hour for you know 10 ethereum i'm gonna pull the liquidity on that yeah so you know i can at least say that there's people out there like are curious and interesting in the very og internet way it just happens to be very wasteful with blockchain and then you got this shit where it's like yeah we've uh we were hanging out with some Mensa guys on uh, <laughs> David Nygaard's private island or private K, and uh, you know, like, yeah. and it ends up just being a fucking scam, like a legit, like this was from its inception, some sort of scam. You think about guys that have this outsized influence, right? I'm thinking about some of the projects that I've seen, Mayweather. You know, these yeah. guys that have a, a, a name and they're trading on that name. Because they know that people will just buy anything with their name on it. The the Jake Paul shit. I mean, he's done three or four different ones. He's rugged three or four different times. Was there one that was like balls or dicks or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was something like that. It was and like, like a guy got a tattoo. <laughs> it's uh, the shame of it all. Isn't it's it? just the shame of... Yeah, it's also like fucking weird. Like seeing NFT projects actually have like good art and it's like rare yeah it's yeah, so rare um, I yeah. think uh, I think Oni is the only one what fucking kills me about NFTs is that it is the fucking death kneel of creativity and like a surviving or survivable economic model for art appreciation mm-hmm. and consumption and what really bums me the fuck out is like finding like a new young photographer like someone that's like in their early 20s like maybe they're in you know college and they're like living away from home for the first time and they right. they're in art school or right like, yeah. or or they're just like you know they live like in a college town like like a lawrence kansas or like a you know a, you know somewhere in the uk or whatever and they're just like walking around and just absorbing everything around them and they're taking really great photos and i'm like wow this person has got just like a really they're really hungry for it they got a great eye it's not too pretentious and i can see like oh like I would really love to see what this person's portfolio looks like in five years. And they're doing fucking NFT releases where they're like, yeah, these are some foes I took like around nighttime and like Belfast over like three months in the winter. And they're all really great fucking photos. And now they're trying to sell each photo like for like 0.05 or 0.1 ETH on like looks rare or OpenSea. And like, it fucking sucks. Yeah. But I also think like when I did freelance, like 
I shot protests for different times sure. here in St. Louis, like during Ferguson. How much do you think I got paid for like one night of like dodging like tear gas and stuff like that? A couple hundred? Like 75 bucks. Jesus. So I understand like a young photographer like seeing like what local fucking faux gigs are and yeah. like shooting like fucking babies or like weddings and everything's being so atomized. And they realize like, well, I can shoot like a whole entire night a whole entire uh fucking photo gallery for a local alt weekly or for a local newspaper and maybe i'll get like two hundo out of it or i could go out and take like 20 photos and get like one ethereum out out of those 10 photos uh all right so we talked about crypto scam of the week we did we talked about uh twitter for Way too long. Extremely long long time. Yeah. Well, gotta have fun chopping this down, asshole. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I take that as a challenge. What's the meat on the bone today? Meat on the bone this week is a website that pretty much defined all social interaction from the year 2000 onwards. It's a website called Hot or Not. Hey, do you have a photo of yourself? taken with an with a cheap camera mm. that you've scanned on your mom's scanner <laughs> and you're going to upload without cropping out all the white area uh. so it's just this posted stamp of like someone holding a fish uh-huh yeah if you love that shit hotternot.com was the fucking place i don't know i don't know how to change it i'm sorry no i <laughs> tried to remove it <laughs> stop yelling at me so yeah before twitter before uh, instagram before any other social media that would judge you based on your looks, there was Hot or Not. not. Yeah. Um, released in 2000. Courtesy of Mashable, the uh, writer there, Jess Joho, quoting here, created on a lark in 2000, Hot or Not became what we'd now call an overnight viral hit by letting people upload photos of themselves to the internet so total strangers could rate their attractiveness on a scale of 1 to 10. Hot or not, yeah, uh, two guys, James Hong and J- Jim Young. Two Jims, no waiting. Hey, look at that. Uh, <laughs> two guys from the Valley, two guys from Silicon Valley. Yeah. University of California grads uh, from Berkeley, of course, because that's where you go if you're going to University of California. It's going to be Berkeley. Yeah. Music or engineering, those are the two places. Young went for a PhD. He went for a PhD in debasing women. Ooh. Ooh. Well, he probably graduated pretty, uh, you know, pretty good high. marks on that one. Yeah. So said no fat chicks unless they got fat tits. <laughs> his 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 doctoral thesis on why the thigh gap is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just um, let me get in there. <laughs> so the long and short of it was that two guys created a site. Where users would post photos of themselves, and then you would rate them. That was it. Which, of course, gave rise to a bunch of clone sites like Smash or Pass or... (laughs) Rate my poo. (laughs) (laughs) Rate my boner. Yeah. (laughs) All of the Rotten.com sister sites. Exactly right. So uh, it was really strange, though, because, like, boy, 2000. This was a time... For those of you who are uh, not, you know, uh, aren't of old, don't have back pain. (laughs) I say that as I'm sitting in a chair that that is specifically designed to like not give me back pain. So yes, I I agree. It cradles it cradles your your gentle spine. It really does, and it does a great job. 
so for the <laughs> good job chair yeah, keep, thank you keep doing your thing chair this was super early days of the internet when when something getting two million page views was headline news yeah so two million page views in their first week of hot or not and it was originally Jeez. am i hot or not mm-hmm. and then they cut the am i part they even tried to do a matchmaking thing where it was called meet me at hot or not where you would then yeah. Yeah, send a link to someone and say, hey, uh, check, my, check my photo out. What an odd time. That's, where I'm, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is like this, this kind of thing would be immediately f- flagged as, I don't know, sexist or th- th- creepy. There's any, uh, creepy yes. but, but this was a point in time where people were really interested in getting attention through the internet. Oh, yeah. You had um, proto-YouTube... Uh, sites where people would just like post live cams of themselves as they live their daily lives. Mm-hmm. So you would have um, style project like had stuff like that. Sure. He had the, the webcam whore portal or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. Um, that was like things like that. Yeah. So can I tell you what I enjoyed the most about how or not? Oh, please. So there was a point in time where you could add tags to your profile. Okay. And then someone on, I think like something awful or FARC realize like hey it, you can uh you can really have an interesting time if you go look for foes with a tag like a8 or hh or 14 oh boy which is how which is how i learned the origin of all those those uh white supremacist uh you know symbols and shorthands was hot or not and fine wow. and, and, and believe it or not it was all just a bunch of fucking gap gap tooth fucking hillbillies I was just like, yeah, this, this checks out. <laughs> so, for, so for the uninitiated, those of us who are not uh, steeped in internet culture, 14 refers to the 14 words loved by white supremacists, basically saying that we must secure the future for our white children. I can't remember the whole phrase, but you know, you'll know it when you hear it. It subliminally plays in the ambient music at every Build-A-Bear. <laughs> and, uh, 88 being uh, eight, the eighth letter of the alphabet being H. Two H's together being Heil Hitler. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fourteen and then fourteen eighty-eight or eighty-eight themselves being uh, a lovely little disguised code words for our early internet Nazis to hide behind. Mm-hmm. So yes, the good people at, at Hot or Not enabled this sort of thing in their profiles. <laughs> you could you could say yes, uh, tag this and say eighty-eight because I'm only looking for pure white folks to uh, to, <laughs> to determine whether I'm hot or not. What what a simpler time. I know what a. <laughs> You didn't have to join the Proud Boys. When being a shithead on the internet meant you just had to show up. Yep. <laughs> you, had to do. you didn't have to go to Stormfront. You didn't have to go. So what's interesting is that actually Hot or Not was not the first site to do this. There was actually a site before, about a year before. It was called Rate My Face. And then, of course, AmIHot.com. But none of those really had the staying power of Hot or Not. Hot or Not took off. I mean, they... They, of course, spawned imitators themselves. Sure. It became almost a cottage industry to have uh, photos on your site, and then you rate the person, and whatnot. Uh, even our good friend Mark Zuckerberg yeah. ripped that off for Face Mash, face which smash. then became the Facebook, which is now, of course, Facebook. Talk about one site being responsible for the end of civilization as we know it. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It was something so navel gazy, yeah, and superficial. 
Yeah, I never like really met. I knew it existed, and like I'm sure I fucked around on it a few times when I was younger. But I don't know. There's hot people in real life. Sure, you can just like go to the mall, or <laughs> uh, you used to be able to go to the mall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody wants to work. You know, the, so the the period of time that like I was probably like looking at weird things like. I thought Hot or Not was like a weird, like a freak show kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like one of the things like I remember like when 18 going to San Francisco, visiting my brother, and that's how I ended up falling asleep on Jason Goldman's couch watching Triplets of Belleville, <laughs> um, which is like, man, everyone out here is fucking hot. Like everyone's yeah. like really good looking and like going to like Baker Beach, like just like, like everyone's attractive. And then my brother like pointing at like some rocks. He's like, they film a bunch of pornos over there. I'm like, wow, so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's so much culture out here in San Francisco, not like St. Louis, where we just have baseball right. and racism and bad pizza. You know? Hey, we're about to have a soccer team. That's going to be cool. Oh, you know, I love I love that uh, we went so far with the construction of that soccer stadium without a boondoggle. Yeah. And now we got it. We got one. We got one. We got one, folks. You know, we all thought we. Th- I thought, is this the one good thing being built downtown in like thirty years? It isn't going to have some sort of scandal attached to it. And I was like, it's really beautiful. I was like, really excited. Like, there seems to be no bull. Yep, no, there's a lot of bullshit. Yep. <laughs> so as of 2014, Hot or Not was still around. Really? It got bought by Andre Andreev. You may know the name, co-founder of Badoo a social networking site in Europe. Okay, yeah. I'm like wondering why that sounds familiar. Andre Andreev also founded Bumble. Oh. The social network, the, the dating site. Not yeah. just social network. It is a dating site. I love uh, I love Bumble because it makes it really easy for women to ignore me. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> that same year, actually, uh, he, he worked with uh, Whitney Wolf in, uh, from Tinder to uh, to create Bumble. He, uh, he launched Magic Lab. Remember oh. Magic Lab? That was uh, dating and social networking sites, kind of a holding company for all those those kinds of, yeah. of sites there. He launched Stereo, which was a social audio app, which is very much what like something like a Twitter Spaces is. Yeah. Like a live podcast or a uh, Spaces or what was the what was the one that all the, the, the Clubhouse? Three, Clubhouse, thank you. I was trying to the one where you where you uh get into like the QAnon version <laughs> of like a like hot sauce cult. Like it was <laughs> kind Clubhouse, of Clubhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. Clubhouse was fucking weird, yeah. On reason was was big in that. That was a that was a whole big reason that 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 started to take off, but then never went anywhere because it's like a it's a podcast where you're listening live but who cares? It's same with Twitter Spaces. I have the same problem with like, okay, but who cares? Sometimes Twitter Spaces can be interesting, but it has to be purpose. Like, it's just like, it just can't, like, someone can't just be doing like a Twitter Spaces being like, yeah, so I went to Qdoba <laughs> and it sucked. And someone else being like, okay, uh, Boner Hitler 420, what do you got to say? <laughs> yeah, I was at uh, Qdoba the other day too, and the rice was really uh, chewy. So yeah, fuck you, Doba. <laughs> so so the guy who bought Hot or Not basically started doing other things, and I'm I'm fairly sure Hot or Not is not around anymore. This was 2014 when he bought it, but this is the kind of person that is still interested in something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that. It's such a product of a bygone era because again, it's 22 years on now, and 
I'm only talking about it really because of the outsized influence that it had. Again, yeah. Face Smash becoming Facebook. We forgot Napster. Oh. Not Napster, not Napster, uh, <laughs> Friendster, sorry. Friendster actually, didn't Friendster get bought by Facebook though? Wasn't that kind of the, the path for them? Okay, so yeah, Friendster came out about the same year that Face Smash, the yeah. Facebook, was out. But yeah, they, they really were banking on the Napster connection they they did say in, in in some public appearances that yeah it was friend and napster kind of mashed together was was what friendster came out they declined getting bought by by google i remember that one because they they didn't they didn't think that was enough google offered them 13 mil that wasn't enough that was not enough so they what google paid for many other projects that they ran into the ground and then they got acquired by mol global Hmm. I'm trying to remember what MOL Global did with it, but I'm pretty sure they just sold it for parts because their parent organization is Razer. Yeah, R-A-Z-E-R, the, the, the PC peripheral company, Razer, uh, bought them. Uh, well, well the, the parent company of them. Anyway, the, the MOL Global was an e-payment processor. It's a whole twisted mess. So it's, but, a, it's a whole bunch of shit. Yep. A whole bunch and, of pee-pee-poo-poo. <laughs> A whole bunch of pee-pee-poo-poo indeed. Yeah, so hot or not. 2014, when they got bought, you know, the guys basically retired. They went and, you know, were busy being dads. And they, you know, they, they kind of just rode off into the sunset, essentially. I mean, that's yeah. what every entrepreneur dreams of. The jo- I think the joke about Silicon Valley is that the, the, main, the main protagonist, he could have just fucking taken that money and fucked off for the rest of his life. Yep. But he had pride. And he didn't. And then the whole entire show happens because he's such a prick, basically. Yeah. He can't just take... I think what they offer... In the show, they offer him, like, what, $20 million or something? No. Like, <laughs> yeah. God. I mean, yeah. if I had, like, a dumb little... I, and that wasn't, like, necessarily... No, it was a fairly... It was a fairly... It was a fairly smart idea. Sophisticated Piper, idea. Yeah. And then... Quit while you're ahead, I think, is what you're getting. Yeah. At. Like, like yeah. Uh, I mean, Silicon Valley is a, a great show about hubris and man's <laughs> oh, folly. Yeah. Mike Judge is uh, a genius for that. Well, he knows what he's talking about, too, because, you know, he, he was came a tech up... guy in the 80s. Exactly right. He, he was a tech guy right at the time when that sort of thing would have been happening for him or at least people around him. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the comedy in that show hits so hard is because it feels real. It feels <laughs> really fucking real. Like, I don't know a lot of fucking tech bros personally, but like it resonated on some shit that I had been on the periphery of. And I'm like, ah, this is, this is a little, Oh God. What if, I mean, I might have to rewatch that show again. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, if it's you've got fucking, HBO max, I highly recommend you watch. Uh, I think the line you brought piss to a shit fight is still, <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking Ehrlich fighting a kid. <laughs> and despite whatever you might think about TJ Miller, because again, he's kind of a shithead in real life, but the character that he plays has a lot of these echoes to tech bros that you see even now. Like yeah. there's a those characters feel real because I feel like Mike Judge really had his finger on the pulse of that time, that early internet time and like a lot of that stuff still translates. Like there's not a, nothing new under the sun as it were in that, sure. in that, because people are still shitty <laughs> in, the, right. in the same ways. <laughs> and hot or not being what it was and leading to what it did kind of proves that it's kind of the the proof of concept almost yeah like, like they kind of perfected the, the vapidness <laughs> and also the the 
the quiet permission of white supremacy. <laughs> Not even just white supremacy, but like even just misogyny. Sure. Yeah. God. Yeah. I love to go on the internet and hate woman. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, that's first, where... first thing I do every morning is I open palm slap <laughs> the Nicole Kimmon the Nicole Kimmon court case uh, CNN feed strains <laughs> I start doing I start doing the moves along He's right, though. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> every single day, every single time I look at a woman's photo on the internet, I think of Nicole Kimmon. Well, not even that, but like you'll still see people use the out of ten, yeah, as as a way to kind of gauge a woman's worth, and you'll still even see references to comments from Hot or Not, like five out of ten would not bang. Oh yeah, I mean, but like the mystery method, the HB, oh god, the HB, the HB. <laughs> I was talking to, I was chatting up and negging an HB 6.5. God, I can't tell you how bizarre it was like finding that shit through FIAD in like 2004, 2005. And then that dude just having like a, you know, writing mystery mystery and like the fucking pickup artist shit. And like, it was like, by the time other people were making fun of it, it was already fucking old hat for me. I was like, Yeah. yeah, I don't know the guy wears stupid hats and the one guy I really blame for, for mystery being as big as he was was Neil Strauss. I heard the game is an interesting book. Not like a book of like things you should do, but just like a cultural artifact. Sure. But at the time, people were taking it seriously. People were using it. It was almost like gospel. They're like, go pick up the game. Go get the game. The game will tell you. I'm sorry. You know what I just do with the pickup women? Hmm. Is I'll put on article clothing I wore when I was really sweaty, and so they can smell my pheromones, and then I'll be like, "Hey, can you buy me a beer?" <laughs> I think that's how it worked with my wife. Uh, so, <laughs> love, love to love to attract women with the scent of my musk and being like, "Yeah, I don't have anything." <laughs> I met my wife when I, we were in college. She knew I didn't have anything. <laughs> I was I, I was in college to be an actor, so let me tell you that. Okay. Yeah, that obviously didn't work out, but uh, well, I guess I guess podcasting is a form of acting. It is. In a way. It's, it's definitely like pretending like this is good. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, uh, come on! I love it. I, love it. I like. I, I find myself listening to some of these episodes like while I'm like cleaning my apartment and just being like, you know, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we were we were doing pretty good. Oh man! So one of the things this is the last bit of bit of hot or not that I'm gonna get into, but man, the. Fucking sloppy. I crack open. I poured the last bit of beer down the front of my shirt. You know what that says to me? It's time to crack crack another one. Boys, now I got some cold cans going. (laughs) I got done with the white lager from from the fine folks at Schlafly. Moving on to the sweet, delicious, smooth flavor of Miller. 2005, a couple years after Hot or Not came around, Pierre. Torini, I'm going to say this Torre? name wrong. and I'm, Thank you. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Created a composite of 30 faces to find out the current standard of good looks on the internet. Isn't it just like a hot babe from like Syria kind of thing? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is the ideal. There were other projects. You know, Face of Tomorrow came yeah. out. Oh, uh, Washington University School of Medicine, local, local heroes around yeah. here. 2006 Hot or Not style study. Involving 264 women and 18 men, as published online in Brain Research, indicates that a person's brain determines whether an image is erotically appealing long before the viewer is even aware they're seeing 
the picture. Now that's an interesting concept, and we've already made up our minds. Yeah, I can totally believe that. Yeah, according to these very same researchers, uh, one of the basic functions of the brain is to classify images into hot or not categorization. The study's researchers discovered that sexy shots induce a uniquely powerful reaction to the brain equal in effect between men and women by the way that was interesting to me and that erotic images produced a strong reaction in the hypothalamus so these guys in 2000 were hacking yeah. our brains they were already manipulating us to have boners that we wouldn't have had otherwise not even just boners but just like an instinctual reaction to be like oh cool i want to see more of that you know like yeah and then, of course, you you can extrapolate that on a long enough timeline to be like, yeah, you're gonna go storm the Capitol. That's <laughs> you're gonna go, you're gonna go stand in front of your you know elected representatives and tell them that you know JFK Jr. is coming back because the uh, CIA yeah. microphones in your teeth told you so. I told you not to talk about the teeth. Right. I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> I'll cut that if you want. <laughs> Operation Porcelain Thought. That's the name of the episode, by the way. Operation Porcelain Thought. That's so. Uh, T H O T. That's right. <laughs> nah. nah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god! Uh, so hot or not? God, that was what a website. What a website. What a website. What a website. So, Brian, are you ready to get get your mind freaked by a little shock.jpg? Yeah, I'm ready to see some gross pictures. Let's do it. All right. I'm so, a single father trying to lose weight with my overweight son, and all you send me is goat ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much the pretty much the show. So what's so what's what you got for me, Chief? All right, this one. Go to incognito. I do. I have to go to incognito because I don't want this shit showing up on my search results. Are you kidding me? This is my technically my work computer that we're working on. So. <laughs> If this well, ever comes up in a conversation with my employers, again, at the dick-sucking factory. At <laughs> the dick-sucking factory. Um, I don't... Listen, uh, listen, the union's really getting... They're you're, cracking down, man. They you got too many points on your uh, on your union car. If you get one more... My shop steward likes this shit, so I don't... You know. <laughs> my shop steward's got my fucking... back. Listen, you tell Benny... <laughs> down at the... <laughs> You tell Benny this, and you see what he says. He'll mm-hmm. shut down the line. Mm-hmm. This- <laughs> so, the homo.org, the headline being average internet user, the text on the site being, when you're reading someone's comment on the internet, do you ever wonder who wrote that? Look below to see the average internet user. This is what they look like. Now, Brian, would you care to describe for our viewing audience what you are seeing here? Or where do I even begin? So, <laughs> looks like a man mm-hmm. or a male presenting individual in a corset right. mm-hmm. with uh, like a short feminine haircut. Mm-hmm. Looks like a I like, it's a like wig. A, I believe it's it's fairly wig. obvious it's a wig. Yeah, I mean I'm a little bit further away from this sure. beautiful let me, image. Let me go ahead and zoom in for you so you can get a real good look here. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Great. So now this looks like a guy from like my cousin Vinny. Now that I can see. <laughs> Kind of, looking, kind of looking like a old-timey vaudeville burlesque kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some stockings, got some garters. They have what looks like a uh, light skin uh, white man penis, a dildo in their mouth. 
and uh just a tip it looks like maybe a little bit further mm. it's like they're like chewing on a carrot <laughs> and uh then there's the erect penis mm-hmm. and it looks like there's like a like a milk bottle yeah, like a, like a water bottle almost over the tip of the penis there. And... Yeah, Jesus Christ. And it looks like there's something fully inserted to the AS5 hand. I'm assuming a vibrator. Yeah, it's there's some kind of a cable coming out of it. You know, it's it's I'm probably not... that's the where, the where it's charging or it's or or well, it's plugged we'll, we'll into we'll talk the wall. about that yeah. part of the frame in a second. What what's concerning me is that it doesn't look like an item that's supposed to be used for anal use because it's not a flared bottom. Oh, okay. so uh, I you know I hope that person knows what they're doing. What makes this a really great image is that that cable that's going out of the vibrator inserted into the ass, it leads you to the lower right corner where it looks like there's a bunch of like uh, plastic bags or some shit, like from Big Lots. Yeah, like they've just gone shopping. Yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of see then behind the, the leg that's up that like maybe that's uh, some curtains or something. It's kind of hard to tell. It looks like a flannel shirt uh, on flannel the Flannel shirt there, maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and the, the there's the the wall behind the, the figure is uh, kind of a puke avocado green. Almost what you'd use for a green screen these days. For, yes, for exactly. Um, but what really seals the deal is that you can see the part in the lower left, you can see a table with a uh, old timey computer mouse that has a you know a, a cable on it. Yep. Wow, what an image that you just made <laughs> me describe. You know, I was published in Time once. So, um, the Breath Mint, the Breath Mint. I'm guessing House of the Dragon, Brian. I'm assuming. Yeah, I can talk about House of the Dragon. <laughs> I'm assuming we're going to talk about House of the Dragon because it just ended. Aside from episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really fucking good. There's lots of, you know, palace intrigue and some nice little subtle things. And the, and the casting is generally really fucking good. You know, unlike Game of Thrones for most of its run, we didn't know where it was going. But mm-hmm. we know where House of Dragon is going to go for the most part. I mean, the original text, um, Blood and Fire, is kind of like a historical collection of different sources in text by a maester yeah uh, yeah it, it's so, a it's a very dry history this analytical. is someone, this is someone who has read a good chunk of fire and blood yes it is it is very clinical it's very it's very much a history book yeah and this is the history of the targaryens yeah all and, leading up to the dance of the dragons and which dance is the dragons what what's fun and interesting is knowing that the original text is pretty dry mm. is that you, you get to see things that were conjecture in the in the book right or a rumor or a you know well it is said that you know, we so well you know there there is said that but there is not enough direct proof and we see things playing out to either confirm these ideas or disprove these ideas and or give greater context that, that the original uh, book could not give per its styling and intention. Mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoy the creativity and the performances, the aesthetic of how it's done. Like lots of good natural lighting mm-hmm. shots. So many candles. So many candles. I, I just appreciate a show that will sometimes give you a shot. That maybe is technically not lit correctly by contemporary standards, but makes it feel like you're actually in a real space because, like, 
Well, yeah, the lighting from that window is probably going to hit his hair and do his and illuminate his hairline a certain way. And it doesn't make sense that there would be um, another light source that we can't see that's going to put his face in the proper exposure. Little things like that. I, I appreciate sacrificing, you know, the perfect Mazan scene or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it yeah. for really putting you in the space. Not realism, but naturalism. Yeah, we can say naturalism. Yeah, yeah. That, that 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 was because I I have recently started watching House of the Dragon. Yeah. So I, I wanted to bring that up because it perfectly dovetails. You finished it. I'm just starting it, and I got to say, episode two, you might not like it, but I thought, boy, you know, episode one had a lot of shit going on. There was just a lot of expository dialogue. There yeah. was a lot of table setting. There was a lot of even the the opening. The opening title crawl tells you it's 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen. Honestly, if you're telling me the story of the Targaryens before her, I know this. I know this is not going to be about her. I think it was just kind of just so they said it. So they didn't right. have to do it in text, as it were. <laughs> they didn't have to explain it later. Yeah, there, it, it was, I think, like, there was a couple things, I think, in the first season was, like, just getting it out of the fucking way so we don't have to deal with it later. Right. I love the character Otto High, Hightower. Yeah. Hightower, yeah. Otto Hightower. Fantastically played Rice Ephens. He's he's really up there. I just want to just hit him with a fucking brick. At the same time, he's not wrong half the time, so it's it's one of those things where, like, Ah, the worst person you know just made a good point. You know, <laughs> well, he, the... he turns out to be a real smarmy rat bastard. By the I have end no of the doubt. I have no doubt in my mind. Rice Ivans plays an amazing smarmy bastard, so I'm really hoping that there's more that comes yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, but but Paddy Considine, even we talked about him uh, previously. Uh, oh, amazing performance! Fantastic. It's um, Paddy's performance is not necessarily on a level, but I would say akin to Pedro Pascal in Game of Thrones, where it's definitive like people are going to be talking about that before i mean i think pedro pascal in the game game of thrones is probably one of the best performed characters yeah um a character who's only around for one season but has so much depth Mm -hmm. and flair and 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 ultimately like importance to the larger story Mm -hmm. plays a king that is both kind of a fool but also you can be empathetic towards him and he's also at the same time pre and like witted yeah but he thinks he is a character that thinks better of the people around him than he should he's not the mad king no right he's not robert baratheon who's who was kind of oafish and but man the only other person that i can think of to really compare patty constantine considine excuse me uh, patty to would be uh, Rory McCann, who played the Hound in Game of Thrones. It just the demeanor, the the gravitas of the performance, subtle things, little facial expressions, or things that you wouldn't really notice in the larger context if it were a bigger cast like Game of Thrones would have. But boy, House of the Dragon really does itself a service by narrowing its cast down to you know a dozen major players. Yeah. Matt Smith even, who, you know, for, for you Doctor Who fans, I enjoyed Matt Smith's Doctor Who. He's not the best Doctor Who. That would be David Tennant, but <laughs> um but he he did a good job in that. 
But boy, he really plays a sleaze bag. <laughs> you know, it's it so well. How far are you in? <clears throat> the second episode, like I said. Okay. What what makes his portrayal of Damon is that he comes off like how they say in that world, he is a second son. Right. So he has no titles to really inherit. There's really not a lot for him to do other than try to make his own way with his privilege and his name. And some second sons do things like they become maesters or right. they, they go to the wall or they become, you know, basically a steward to their family in some way or another. Um, and some of them decide they just want to be shitheads. <laughs> and that's what I think makes that character so pitch perfect for that moment is that he's he's not subservient he's not he knows better right well he, he knows well, he, he, knows he knows the better. game he knows the game the way that his brother the king doesn't he sees the mechanizations he sees the plotting he but at the same time as being the second son he is much more free in a way that his brother isn't and you'll see throughout the first season, there's these little ways where you see through Damon that even though he can be brash and abrasive and impulsive, you can tell that he actually really cares about things. And particularly in the first couple episodes are like him trying to get through to his brother in one way or another. And his, and Viserys not really getting it. And Viserys is just kind of like, well, you're just being a shithead. And, and he's like, well, you've given me no other choice but to be a shithead. You've never treated <laughs> what, me with... Yeah, what the option res- do I have? Yeah, you've never treated me with re- the respect to be a better brother. And so I'm like... He's not saying necessarily like, this is your fault, Viserys. But like, you, you never really made a space for me to be a better person in this system. This isn't super recent, but I did watch uh, Goodbye, Mommy. Oh. I didn't like it. Uh, well, uh, Good Night, Mommy? Good Night, Mommy. Okay. Now, are we talking about the original Swedish film, or are we talking about the new one? The new one. The new one, but Naomi Watts. Yes. Unfortunately, I apparently should have watched the Swedish one, because that yeah. one is really good. I thought you told me to watch the Naomi Watts one. Only because I have a crush on Naomi Watts. That's... Sure. And she doesn't give a bad performance, but this definitely feels like... If I was I, like, I felt like I was watching a bad Americanized version of a excellent Japanese horror film circa two thousand one. Yeah, it did have that. It did have that fi- uh, that that feeling to it. I, this is a lesser thing than the original. Kind um, of, it's kind of like when they did Let the Right One In versus Let Me In. Uh, I thought Let Me In was at least okay, <clears throat> but um, I didn't love it. I felt like it was oh, I got M Night Shyamalan, and it yeah. didn't feel good like an M Night Shyamalan yeah. twist. What else have I watched? Um, the I saw I watched The Barbarian. Oh, I have not seen this one. I've heard oh, is, nothing but good things. So I'm not going to say too much yeah. about it other than you think you know what kind of movie it's going to be about mm. three or four different times, <laughs> and then you're just like Justin Long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope bad things happen to Justin Long because the only that's the only reason I would watch a movie with Justin Long in it is that bad things happen to him, which. He was Did the they? guy in the Walrus, right? Uh, yes. Oh, and, yeah. So and, I think that's uh, why I like. I think it's the only reason I like the Walrus. <laughs> and uh, Tusk was the Tusk, other uh, And uh, the Walrus uh, is the Brendan Fraser movie, correct? And he was also the boyfriend in Drag Me to Hell. Man, what happened to that chick from Drag Me to Hell? I have not seen her. In anything she was. Recently. She was in so many great movies. Yeah. She seemed like someone that would just be 
like the baby face yeah. actress forever and then I figured it would be like an Allison Pill situation where she would just be in everything but so a, a thing that I wanted to, to kind of put out in the universe Jason Pargan who was a writer for Cracked for a while there uh, he wrote under the name David Wong and he wrote a series of novels starting with John Dies at the End which is a feature film. Which is a feature film from the director of Phantasm. Oh. Um, so if you if you get a chance to see that fantastic movie, go. It's it's goofy as hell. Paul I Giamatti's in it. It's fantastic. Think, I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. If you're one of those bloodsuckers. But he's written a series of novels set in that same universe as the John dies at the end, uh, and he calls it the J Date series. See, John dies at the end. Mm-hmm. The second book was called. This book is full of spiders. Seriously, dude, don't touch it. The third book was called What the Hell Did I Just Read? And the most recent release that I'm tearing my way through is called If This Book Exists, You Are in the Wrong Universe. And uh, <laughs> he's a very funny guy. I've listened to him on a couple of podcasts. Just a hoot. I can't. I can't speak personally to the quality of the books but the quality of the man who wrote the books very high so i'm guessing yeah. the books are very good yeah, yeah. if you enjoyed the film that we were just talking about it's it's right up there he writes in the the, the main story takes place in this town of undisclosed uh, it's it's about all the weird supernatural shit that happens there and then john his friend dave who is the main narrator and dave's girlfriend amy are the three characters whose perspectives we jump around in through the book. And they're tasked in this book with containing the evil from a, a child's toy that is an egg that you, uh, you're supposed to feed it with an app, right? And yeah. Then, uh, the, but, but this one turns sinister, and the app is asking for you to give it human tongues, and eyeballs and and it's going to birth an eldritch horror and it's fantastic it's goofy it's really fun uh if you like just off the wall humor and gore and anything spookaladookaly uh highly recommend any of those books that i just mentioned but specifically this one if this book exists you're in the wrong universe you don't need to have read the other ones it helps but Pargrin is really nice in the opening and kind of gives you the basic rundown. Hey, you know, we took this drug called soy sauce. It lets us pass through dimensions and also see weird shit. And we've set up a, a, a live internet service that lets people look at all the weird shit that we have in our house. I think they even reference the Ed and Lorraine Warren, the, the Annabelle mm-hmm. uh, bit in the fact that they have a whole storage unit full of haunted dolls and they have a live, they have a webcam, and if you pay twenty bucks a month, you can watch the the, the webcam, the, the haunted dolls, yeah, and see right, if any of the move. Um, so it's very funny. It's very self aware. It's 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 just a it's just a hoot of a novel. I, I highly recommend you you check out. Uh, it's books called If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. Oh baby, so I got one last one here for yeah. you. Have you listened to new uh, Black Lips record? I have not. I have not listened to a Black Lips record since about 2015 or so. Oh, uh, since uh, Satan's That's God's Art or Satan's God, Graffiti. Yeah. Man, I mean, that was produced by Sean Lennon. Yeah. Which is 
which is already like two strikes against it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to say that record has grown on me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when it first came out, it was like it was like someone rubbing Epsom salt in my fucking eyes. Yeah. It was real fucking. I think it's it's kind of found its spot. But um, I feel like the Black Lips ever since the drummer left. Hmm. Uh, not. I mean, St. P was the, the guitarist that left and now he's the old guitarist <laughs> who is now, I guess the guitarist mm-hmm. um, now has played that role um, since like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but like losing their drummer who I think performed the vocals on their best songs yeah. is kind of a little tough, um, yeah. which uh, is always been rough for me because black lips were, I guess still are one of my favorite bands to photograph. And the first show when I was starting out as a music photographer, it made me realize like, oh, I think I really want to waste a bunch of my life doing this. <laughs> was a Black Lips show at the Firebird with, yeah. um, dude, I think the Blind Eyes and Box Elders opened that oh, show. Oh, sweet. What a show. But it was such yeah. a great, um, that was such a fucking fun show. Um, I'll probably talk about it in some length on the podcast someday. But that was the, the Black Lips in my history as being a music photographer have always been part of different little milestones sure i always kind of keep a tab on them and then they came out of the record right right when the pandemic started and no one gave a shit about it because the world was we were putting fucking bodies and freezers on the side of the road so i was just like huh i wonder if this is going to be the end of the band because they it's just i didn't know what else they could do and then they came out with this new record and it just it's not bad jason yeah it's just okay it sounds honestly that's the worst thing you can do is you can make just a record that's just okay i that was my problem with like the new sneaker pimps record that came out a couple years ago it's like there hadn't been a sneaker pimps record since i was like in the 10th grade since blood sport since yeah which was like what 2001 yeah and it's like oh this is the first sneaker pimps record in like 20 years and like it's just pretty good like there's some fucking bangers on it but like I would at least say the new Sneaker Pimps record is not as disappointing as a new Black Lips record. Wow. It's weird because it's getting like fucking four and five star reviews like in Rolling Stone and shit. And you're like, I don't know. Am I listening to the same thing or are we just... (laughs) I hate to say it because like these guys, like they probably remember me. Yeah. I'll take it personal. Yeah. But it just, I don't, I don't get it. Like it, this sounds like a band that's trying to be on the soundtrack of the next Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. It's kind of like this weird, it's a little psychedelic. It feels like a little bit like sixties Hollywood. It kind of feels like doing drugs in the hot tub. There's a weird, like sort of rap song about cream Oof. and about, uh, you're you're your bad mother, your shit motherfucker for buying cheap milk when my other's full, and I'm just like, does this work? It's yeah. one of those things where like I, it feels like people that have done so much drugs that they don't know what's going, what really hits. Yeah. Oh, well, this is about the time. <laughs> Anyways, so our <laughs> socials is. F- if you want to send me death threats or recruit me into your cult. You can harass me at ishotgidibor, that's I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D, on uh, ye old Twitter, if it still exists when this recording <laughs> is out, or Instagram, 
And Jason, uh, where can we send you death threats? Yes, you can send me death threats at uh, at video crime v i d e o c r i m e on Twitter. You can hit me up on Instagram, although I'm rarely on there these days. At Laser Goose CEO, uh, and also on TikTok as at Laser Goose CEO. We do have a TikTok for the show. Oh, we never use it. It is uh, uh, at 40 is this, minutes. Is this going to be me yelling at the loop trolley? That's pretty much it. It's at 40 minutes of dogs. Uh, you can you can uh, harass the program itself on Twitter at 48 minutes of dogs. That's the number four, the number eight minutes of dogs. You can send us an email for eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com. Support the show patreon.com slash 48 minutes of dogs and let's see here what the texter oh indeed uh 314 ahoy poo not only texture but also voicemail and if you're lucky i might actually pick up the phone and uh and put you on blast for for calling for the calling a, 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 a po- for, trying to reach out via text or voicemail for a podcast that has two hundred listeners uh, indeed so uh, that's that's the ways to reach us there and like I said uh, patreon dot com slash four eight minutes of dogs if you want to support the program uh, let's see here what else do we have that's about it as far I think as that's I can it. I think yeah. it's I think it's time for us to finish these beers. Whew, indeed it is. Uh, <sighs> it is it's indeed beer thirty somewhere. Indeed it is, as they say, Miller time. So we're going to leave you with a, a little discovery, courtesy of TikTok. Uh, our friend Ro Kapara. Song's called "Everything's Fine," and that about does it for the program. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Namaste, motherfucker. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The whole world's on fire. A private jet flies to Bel Air. All our food expired. But we'll feed the billionaires. They'll eat you till you're bare. I'll watch as the nukes explode and kill the neighbor's kids. Men shoot out to space and watch us from their ships.